0: Good morning, church. There are um, a lot of things that we like to sing about. And if you were around me at all this week, you would have seen me singing because I got a new job and I left my old job. And I have been so happy about this, so happy that my friend Dave, I'm just gonna say Dave, has been laughing at me. Part of it is his joy in seeing me, but part of me just because he's not seeing me as happy as I've been with this new job. Sometimes we get something new in our lives, like a new car. Have you ever been around someone who gets a new car and they are just singing the praises of this car? They're telling you all the things that this car can do and the buttons that it has and how, You open the door and the seats go pre-programmed to where they want and they massage your back and cool you from underneath in the summer and all of these wonderful things. Or maybe on Saturday, yesterday, you were singing for your football team. I know that around 7 p.m. last night, I could hear the singing of a certain Nebraska fan calling from the other side of town because they were so Excited! There are so many things that we could sing about, but the greatest is the glory of our God, of His greatness, of His works, of His marvelous deeds, of His salvation, of all that He has done. And that's what we see in Psalm Psalm ninety six. This incredible call to worship the Lord, and to tell our world about our great Savior. So before I read this, I'd like to pray, and if you'd join me, God, you are so great. You are so beautiful. You are working in our lives in incredible ways. And God, I pray this morning, this morning that we would be able to calm our hearts and see how great you are, how worthy of our praise you are, all the mighty and wondrous things you've done, and that we would feel a new song rising in our hearts to worship you and to tell the world how great you are. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 96 you have your Bibles. And I, years ago as a, as a pastor, I, I would get so excited when I would hear, I would always say, this is my favorite sound. And, and people now have their Bible on their phones. And I kind of, sort of didn't like it at first that I couldn't hear the sound and that people were using their phones until a few years ago because I realized that on my phone, I can do something I can't do with my Bible. And that's, I can go like this. Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So this song begins with this great call to praise and it's a threefold call to worship. And it's followed after by this threefold call to a scribe. But three times it says, sing, sing, sing. And then it says, a scribe, a scribe, a scribe. The emphasis here, this, this number three being so important. I know parents, you like to tell your children to do something, and you tell them once, that they don't have to listen. You tell them twice, and you've changed this whole tone in your voice. You tell them a third time, and you're ready to get up and chase them to make them do it. And God is, the psalmist is writing this three times to get our attention so that we'll pay attention, so we'll see how important this is, that we would sing To the Lord, a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. We'll see in other places in scripture where that, that threefold call is made and the emphasis is made on that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Three times to point out, to emphasize, to make us see. And three times we're called here to sing to the Lord. And what is it that we're called to sing? We're called to sing a new song. All the worship leaders are like, yes, I got a new song I want to introduce next week. We got to do this. And, And this doesn't mean that it has to be a new song every time. It means that the song is fresh, that the song has meaning, that it has depth, that it is not out of tradition and rote and boring. And there are so many great hymns of the faith that can still be new songs, that can still be fresh. And there are so many brand new songs that can turn around to be rote and redundant. And it's more about our heart and how we approach it. This new song, it's fresh to us. We're singing it with joy. We're singing it with meaning. We're contemplating the words. It's not just habit, it's not just routine. And we're called to sing this new song. And who's called to sing? It's all the earth. We're going to get into this a little bit more as we go along. But I went through and highlighted in this psalm all of the references to to all the people. In verse 1, it says, all the earth. Verse 3, it says, among the nations. Verse 7, it says, oh, family of the peoples. Verse 10, it says, the nations. Verse 13, he comes to judge the earth. Verse At the end of verse 13, and the peoples. And this is talking about the whole world. The whole world is being called to praise our Lord, our great God. This is a global affair, a worldwide affair. It begins as a personal thing, but it spreads to the whole earth. Then the occasion for this call to praise is given verse three, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among his peoples. Or I'm sorry, in verse two, it says, and tell of his salvation from day to day. And there's, there's different parts of this that we could look at when we tell of his salvation. Of course, there's all of these acts of redemption in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where you see God saving his people. You see the nation of Israel being delivered from Pharaoh's hand in Egypt in a miraculous way with the plagues and then with the final plague. And then they're they're fleeing from Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. And God does this incredible, marvelous work to save them. If you read the book of Esther, you see how she was used to save Egypt or to save Israel. Israel. From those who would plot to kill them all. You could read about Elisha. Who's up against the king of Syria. And the people are afraid. And, and Elisha prays that God would open their eyes. And they see the chariots of fire on the side of the mountain. Showing that God's salvation is there for them. Over and over in the Bible, you see these acts of redemption. But the greatest the greatest act of redemption was at the cross of Christ. When Jesus came to earth and he lived among people, the people he created, the people who had rebelled against him, the people who were full of sin, And Romans says that yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus went to that cross willingly and and took the wrath that God had for me, that God had for you. and He bore that wrath. And he died a death I should have died and gives me life that I did not deserve. This great salvation that he has given us. This is incredible. And this has happened over and over and over again in this room. Your salvation is something to sing about. And your spouse's salvation is something to sing about. And the youth's salvation and everyone here is something to sing about. And it should cause us to sing a new song to the Lord of praise. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, we had the youth over for a Christmas party. And there was this girl named Carissa. And she came from a very, very religious home. It was very legalistic. And she started asking me questions. Because for her, in order to go to heaven, she had to be to church every single time the church doors were open. And she had to dress a certain way with a, with a long skirt. And she had to do all of these things. And I could see this weight that was on her. And as we talked about the gospel. And about Jesus dying on the cross. And how it is his grace that is given to us. It's nothing we do. Not by works. So that no one can boast. She began to cry in my rec room and she asked Jesus to forgive her and she wept because she knew of his salvation at that moment. So we sing of his salvation of this cross of Christ. Day to day, it is happening and continues to happen verse 3 says we declare his glory among the nations his glory this, this is an incredible thing when you read in ezekiel or i'm sorry exodus chapter 33 moses wants to see god's glory and god's like you can't no one can see the glory of god but god says this i'll hide you under the cleft of a rock And when I pass over you, I'm gonna turn my back and you're gonna get like this radiating reflection of my glory, not the whole thing. And Moses comes down from that mountain and his face is shining with God's glory. He didn't even see God face to face. He just caught like a, a, just a tiny glimpse out of the corner of his eye. And he has to put a veil over his face to speak to the people because they're so afraid. God's glory is so great. In John chapter one. In verse six, it says, speaking of, of John, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, meaning John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Now we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the light. The world was made through him, Jesus. Yet the world did not know him. He came to save his own and his own people did not receive him, but to those who did receive him, Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 14 says in the world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We sing praise because of his great salvation, because of his glory. Then it says, because of the mighty works among the people. Verse 13 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. And again, you can look back in the Bible and you can see God's marvelous works, the things he did, miracles that were performed, these incredible acts that are so hard to believe, but we believe them by faith. We wonder, is God still working like that? Yes, yes, he is. We just heard testimony of his marvelous works from Tracy. Thank you for that. God is still working in incredible ways through his church. Look what he does to comfort people, to provide for people, to bring healing to people. He uses his church to feed and clothe people, he uses you to help moms who are in crisis, as we learned about the last month. And we find out that because of your generosity, there's, there's moms who can provide their kids through the ministries of the Life Clinic. And we find out that they're getting support, not just materially, but spiritually, and, and getting counsel so that they can raise their children and, and not experience as much trauma as they might otherwise have. And at the Life Clinic Gala, you hear the incredible story of Abby Johnson. That was, God does marvelous deeds. That he took a woman who was working for Planned Parenthood, who was responsible or had a hand in thousands of abortions. And one minute, God changes all of that and changes her heart and now she's a champion for life. Every chance that she gets, these, she's advocating for life. God does marvelous works every day. Last month, I had the opportunity to speak, and I told you about our daughter, Jada. And uh, the, one of the comments I got several times is I never said what happened I just assume that, that most of you knew, Jada, Jada did pass away. She was three and a half years old. And on her last admission to the hospital, we'd been in and out of the hospital so many times. And we we're at U of M and, and the doctors spent a long time that morning meeting and consulting and they came to us. And we knew that it was time. That it was time to take her off life support. And they moved us to a transition room, they call them. And uh, they make sure that she's comfortable and, and they slowly begin to, to wean off the life support. And during that time, God's marvelous works as the people in that hospital who had known Jada for three years of her life began to come and to minister to us. And we had occupational therapists and physical therapists and nurses, and doctors, and respiratory technicians coming in in the last moments of our life to love her and to love us. And then there was Dr. O. I can't say his name because he was Nigerian, and I struggled with it, and everybody called him Dr. No. Dr., Dr. O. And, uh, and his father-in-law had just passed away. And he was taking his wife to the airport in Detroit when he found out that Jada was going to be taken off life support. And he dropped her off at the airport and he came back to the hospital and he got down on his knees and he prayed with us. God does marvelous works still today for his people. Every day he's doing great things, and this is a cause for us to praise him. We have this cause to praise and to sing to the Lord our new song, and our praise is always fresh, it never gets old, it never grows stale. And what is the cause for this praise? Verses four to six For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, he is so great. There is none like him. There is no other that comes even close to him. And the psalmist goes on to say, for all the gods and the peoples are worthless, or all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. They're worthless idols. And that makes me think back to Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You can read that in first King where Elijah is up against the 450 prophets of Baal and the, and the people are so split on who to follow and who to believe. And, uh, and they build these two altars. One is for the prophets of Baal and one is for the one true God. And, and Elijah Mockingly is, is telling the 450 prophets to call on their God to consume this offering with fire. And they're doing all of these crazy things to try to call on their God. And in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 27, it says, At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or maybe he's fallen asleep. And Elijah's mocking them because their God is worthless, is meaningless, doesn't exist. Maybe he like took a bathroom break. That's what he says. Maybe he fell asleep and you're just not yelling loud enough. All of the gods are meaningless. There is only one true God. And that is who we worship. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised for he is feared above all gods. Now this one, he is feared above all gods. So the context of this psalm is important to to shed some light on this when we talk about fearing God in 1st Chronicles chapter 16 you'll see that David had just led um, them bringing the ark back to Jerusalem and and in 1st uh, Chronicles 16 verses 22 through 33 David breaks into song and he recites this psalm almost word for word so just before they come into Jerusalem They hit a bump in the road, and this guy named Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark. Now, they had already been instructed that no one is to touch the ark, because this is where God's presence resides. And when this man reaches out and touches touches the ark to steady it, like he's doing a good thing. I don't want it to crash. I don't want it to fall to the ground. He reaches out, and bam, he's dead. He's gone. In Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. There's two priests. Nabad and Abihu. Wonderful names. I'd like to meet their parents. (laughs) And they're preparing um, the offerings from the Lord. And it says they used an unauthorized fire. Or maybe your Bible says a strange fire. They didn't do it the way it was prescribed. And fire came out and consumed them. Our God is to be feared, and this can be confusing for some people, but we need to understand that our God is so powerful, so holy, so completely other than us. Like if we try to rank on a scale and we're like, we're down here and we climb as high as we can to rank God, that's blasphemy because this, that's our man-made scale and it doesn't even work. We're to fear and revere him. Now, I occasionally hunt and I occasionally um, shoot for sport and so that involves handling guns and I have a fear of guns. That doesn't mean that I tremble in their presence. That means that I know what they're capable of. I know how important it is To follow every safety step that's prescribed for it. I know how cautious I need to be. I know how I need to check and double check. Because I have this healthy fear and respect for what this weapon can do. And we are to fear God to have this healthy respect and awe and wonder of who he is and how powerful he is. And how holy he is. So we praise because he's greatly to be praised because he's to be feared. And also because he made the heavens, it says. The Lord made the heavens. And I could spend weeks and weeks talking about this. And you guys are like, I want to go home today. Please don't. But very briefly, if you, and, and you can go back and read the creation account. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, and, and then it goes on to elaborate the creation account. And he says, let there be light. And boom, there was light. By the power of his word, he created everything out of nothing. Okay? I can cook. I can make some delicious things, but they're all with ingredients that have been provided for me, with instructions that have been written down, and I'm following what has been taught to me. God just says, I want this thing called light. Let there be light. And there's light. And whether it's a wave or a particle or both, he did it by the power of his word. He made everything that was made. And, and after he makes the light, that's on the first day. And what's crazy, you get down to the fourth day. And what does he make? He makes the sun and the moon and the stars. Before he made the sun and the moon and the stars, he made light. This God made the galaxies and spread them across the universe. And every time we make a telescope that can see a bit further, we find out that we can't even reach the edge. And we try harder and we can't reach the edge because he is so great in what he has made. And it says that splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. This universe he has made is so incredible, so beautiful, so vast, so diverse. And he made it all. And now we transition to this call for the whole world to declare his glory in verses 7 to 10. And, and this ascribe now is going to be mentioned three times. Ascribe to him the glory do his name. Ascribe to him, O families of the people. Ascribe to him glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. And this ascribe here is now more of an experiential thing. You know this now. You have experienced this. You have witnessed this. You have seen this. So tell everyone. Make sure that everybody knows how great our God is. And bring an offering and come into the courts. This offering is not a sacrifice for sin because Jesus did that. He paid it all. He took care of it. He was the once-for-all sacrifice. But we present our bodies now as a living sacrifice. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says. We present our bodies to God in everything that we do, and we give it to him as a sacrifice to his glory. So we bring offering and we come into his courts and we worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I just want to touch on this real quick because some translations say in holy attire. And I I wonder if this is what was getting missed when Pastor Chuck and Dave were going back and forth on him not wearing a jacket or a tie. But it's not about what you dress. It's about God and his all-encompassing beauty and holiness that we're called to worship. His beauty and power and strength and majesty that are on display for all to see and all to witness is so amazing and we worship him in all of that. Do you realize that every picture, every image, every song, every piece of art that we make that tries to depict beauty, or glory, or power, or grace, or forgiveness, or justice, is a failing shadow of how great he truly is. Every superhero and superpower in the Marvel Universe fails to compare to the power of our Lord. So we worship him in his holy splendor. And verse 9 again says that we tremble before him, all the earth. And we're called to say, verse 10, among the nations that the Lord reigns. Yes, it is firmly established. It shall never be moved. The Lord reigns. Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king who rules forever and ever. He is the one that the Bible says in in Colossians 1. For him, all things were created in heaven and in earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything he might be preeminent. Do you see why we worship him? Do you see why we declare his glory through all the earth? Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus every knee every knee will bow those in heaven and on earth and those under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of the father so all the people everywhere are commanded to join in this worship because he's worthy And that's not enough yet because, lastly, all of nature is going to join in this praise of this king. Verses 11, or verse 11, let the heavens be glad. All the heavens are called in on this call to rejoice. The heavens will be glad, the earth, and let the earth rejoice let the sea roar and all that fills it every creature of the sea will rejoice in this incredible amazing glorious beautiful lord and king let the field exalt let the field the jungle the plains all of the earth and all of its inhabitants rejoice rejoice and exalt Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. All of creation joins in that praise. I want to read from Romans chapter eight. Where you might be thinking, why is why the trees why? Why the heavens? Why is everything involved in this praise? Romans chapter 8 verse 20. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. All of creation is longing for things to be made right by the return of the king. All the peoples are called to, to worship this God. It's because he comes. Verse 13 and verse 10 both talk about him coming. And he's coming to do some things. It says he comes to judge. It says who he's going to judge. All the people. It says how he's going to judge. In righteousness. In faithfulness. And he's going to judge. In equity. In equity. In fairness. God. God. Is going to judge the world. Are you ready for this? Are you right with the Lord? Do you know what this salvation means personally for you? That Jesus died in your place. So that you can be saved. Maybe you've resisted acknowledging that. Maybe you've said you can wait until tomorrow. Maybe you say, I have too many questions. I don't have all the answers, but I have some. And I know that the elders don't have all the answers, but they have some. And this is so important that we would love to talk to you about it. He's going to judge fairly and and in equity and in faithfulness. And what that means is, It's his rules, not ours. As people, we love to think, well, God will be happy if I do this. God will forgive me if I do this. God, and we make our own standards because we don't want to accept God's, but he has his standards, his word. And he's going to judge the world by that. And if he judged the world any other way, that wouldn't be fair. Because he'd be judging with partiality to this person and to that person and the other. But he has his standard. And nothing you do will influence that. Nothing you do can sway him. No amount of being good. No amount of giving. No amount of helping people. No amount of praying. Only Jesus can save you. So you put your faith and trust in Him. And then you realize that your neighbor needs this. You realize that your coworkers need this. You realize that the world needs this. So you join in this global call to spread the gospel. And your world, your world might just be your, your school. I need to give props to Extreme right now. I start, help, started helping with Extreme. And I have loved hearing them share their faith. And they have this thing where they do, Yay, God. Every, every week, someone shares how they've seen. What they're doing is what the Psalm says they're sharing God's marvelous works, His glorious deeds with each other. And they're sharing their faith. And I appreciate that. And, and I hope that everyone has this incredible desire to make worshipers of all the world of our great God and King. So are you personally ready? Is your neighbor ready? And are you willing to do what it takes to join the effort to make his name famous in all the world. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for all your great works that are on display. Thank you for your salvation, for love and mercy and grace. God, I pray that we would be able to sing a new song to you, a song of praise, and that we would invite the world to join us Because you are great. You are worthy of all the praise. Because there is none like you. May you get all the glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.